Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Pam, are those dedicated blue light blocking glasses? Yes, they are. That's good stuff. You got to have the gamer glasses. Do those make a difference, do you think? Yeah, actually. But I think the big thing that a lot of people don't really recognize is a lot of the blue light glasses that you get without prescriptions kind of warp your vision a little bit. So they give you more headaches because your eyes are adjusting. So if you get amber glasses, you should get them in your prescription because otherwise it's just going to give you more headaches and you're going to hate them. You're going to take them off. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. My fat recommendation is firmu.com for glasses. They're very cheap. They're very good. And you can get the prescription with blue light blocking. Moo is the jam. (laughs) And then it also like makes you look like an anime villain anytime you're in direct sunlight. (laughs) your, your, Your glasses just go completely blue. How are you both doing today? I'm good. I had a great and very, very busy day. Whoa. I just had bacon, so. Well, that's great. Whoa. What's your preferred bacon doneness? Not crispy. Anything not crispy. Interesting. I don't like crispy. I can't taste it. All I taste is the char. I want my bacon to have all of its flavor and juiciness. Have you had British bacon? I've been to the UK and had bacon. I don't know if that makes it British bacon. They call it a different thing. So our bacon, they call streaky bacon. Streaky. Yes. If you ask for bacon in the UK, it's like a fattier, chewier. Oh, like thicker cut? I think it's like literally a different cut of meat. Huh. And it's still smoked. Oh, this is interesting. I'm curious. Yeah, that looks completely different. It's literally not the same. So if you want American style bacon, you have to ask for a streaky bacon. Yeah. Is it because the fat lines and stuff? It's more like a big piece of meat and then a little fat vein and then another little piece of meat. It's like a different thing. It doesn't have the fat running through it. Oh, okay. Like ours does. So then wait, what's Canadian bacon in comparison to? Uh, complete bullshit is what I'll say. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. He went there. Canadian bacon Twitter is going to come for us now. They can because Canadian bacon, in the hierarchy of bacons, Canadian bacon is at the bottom. And I think that's not even a controversial opinion. Is that above turkey bacon? Oh, you know what? No, I would put it below turkey bacon. Okay. Yeah, turkey bacon also kind of sucks. They're both bad. Agreed. Great. So we've settled. Streaky bacon is the one true way. And for Pam, (laughs) it's a little bit undercooked. Or I guess undercooked isn't the right word. You want a little bit of a floppy, a little bit of a chewy. Yeah, just floppy bacon. A standard like British hangover food was a bacon bap. What is that? Can you guess what a bap is? Uh, It's what your cat does when it hits your face. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I think the only time I've ever heard anyone use the word baps is in Ninja Sex Party songs. (laughs) Did we? I can't even remember. That's plausible. Very plausible. Is it in peppermint creams? Maybe. It definitely feels like the kind of thing I would say. (laughs) A bread bowl. No, it's like a small floured roll. Ooh. So imagine it like a dinner roll, like a floured dinner roll. Uh-huh. And make that twice the size. You know, it's like the size of your hand. And you can cut it open and put stuff inside. So you can get baps. So I, go, I, go, I went and got some baps, which would be you could get a turkey bap 
or a bacon bap. Sounds like you should probably be alone with your baths. <laughs> <laughs> I was, frequently. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Anything with carbs, put it in my face hole, yes. please, and thank you. Yeah, it's like one of those classic hangover foods. I got to go to a certain diner in L.A. that I thought had permanently closed, but did not. Nick's Diner. I got to go over whenever day that was, but it was good. Now, that story had everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. I just, I couldn't contain myself. I don't know. You go to a diner and it's a diner. I haven't been to a diner in a year and a half. You get your pile of grease and your Mm. shitty coffee. That's the correct dialed in level of shitty. And then everything's more expensive now. And you give the fat tip and then you go on your way. (laughs) Do we know why it didn't close? Were they just wrong? I don't know. They just get lucky and they didn't have to? It seems like a lot of places either are like, changed hands like they closed and then it's the same thing under new ownership i have no idea new management yeah Yeah. the one i'm anxiously waiting on is the ArcLight hollywood oh yeah oh yeah because it got closed down so for those of you who don't or have never been to la the ArcLight is the best movie theater was the best movie theater chain out here they would enforce a no cell phones policy the movies were shown well the theaters were nice Uh, assigned seating, which is my favorite thing in the world for movies, good theaters. And then they went under during the pandemic. And in particular, there's one in Hollywood, which has this amazing 1960s era structure, the Cinerama Dome, which is my favorite place in the entire world to see a film. It's this gigantic thing with a huge screen and it looks like the 60s inside. It's just the best. I went to the Ad Astra premiere at the Arclight. And it was so good. Yeah. I mean, Ad Astra in itself isn't one of those movies that I was like, yeah, I want to go see that. I'm so excited. But watching all these space shots in that theater was beautiful. Yep. Highly recommend. Ad Astra is a very beautiful and incredibly stupid film. Yeah. That (laughs) where you're like, you couldn't just call him. Yeah. Like, why did you have to go there? Just fucking call. You couldn't figure out a way to call him? My dad's not answering the phone. I need to go to Jupiter to get him. Yeah. (laughs) Or Saturn. It's Saturn. I'm sorry. Yeah, wherever the fuck it was. (laughs) And you had to go to Mars. And then there's this weird pirate scene where they're, like, running, like, dune buggies over the surface of— Yeah. Was that the moon or Mars? I can't even fucking remember. It was the moon. They went to the moon, and then they took off from the moon to uh, Mars? Yeah. Yeah, there was a colony on Mars, and then they'd never gone out past that point and right. onward to Saturn. But there was a lot of time spent in every single scene of that movie that I was like, yeah, you could cut this down 50%, and you wouldn't <laughs> lose that much of that yes. story. Lots of close-ups on Brad Pitt, which, you know, not many people are complaining about. Right. But still, it was just like, is this supposed to be a fever dream movie? Am I supposed to be oh. on something while watching this? Layton, have you seen this film? No, it completely slipped under my radar, and I just know space movie. Okay. There's just been a bunch of, like, nondescript space movies in the past decade, yes. maybe. On the record, hate space. Space is terrible. Space <laughs> is for cowards. <laughs> the most amazing thing to me about this film is, okay, so at some point, Brad Pitt needs to establish contact with some space station or some fucking thing. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. And so he goes there. And this is a spoiler, okay? So if you don't want to hear this, everybody, don't pay attention. Goes into this space station. Monkey attack. There's a straight-up monkey or gorilla or some kind of primate attack. 
that mm-hmm. attacks him in the middle of the space station. And I can't even remember why. Like, they got loose and went nuts or something. Who directed this shit? It seemed really random, especially because, like, the movie starts on Earth where they're like, there's these electromagnetic explosions and the Earth is in trouble and we need to figure out what's wrong. Yeah. So they go to space and then when they're on their way to the space station, they're like, oh, we got a distress signal. We got to go to the space station. And you go there and it's random monkey attack. Random monkey attack. What the fuck is even happening? It's so random. I feel like you didn't gain or lose anything aside from time watching that scene. It was just, hey, okay, (laughs) guys, I have a really great idea. What if in this space movie, we just threw some monkeys, some murder monkeys into this movie? (laughs) Well, you know what? First of all, Kubrick did it first. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the original Monkeys in Space movie. The original murder space monkeys, yeah. yeah. I was sort of on board until the monkey attack, and then I was like, yeah. what the fuck is happening yeah. here? And then the rest of the movie seemed way too long. It's way too long. It takes itself very seriously. So another spoiler, I think it's like three hours long, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, the main guy has to establish contact with his dad, who is out by... Saturn or something, looking for life, looking for, you know, radio signals or whatever from other planets. And he goes all the way out there. This guy is like cut off contact. He gets out there. He talks to his dad. He's played by Tommy Lee Jones. And his dad's like, yep, we're alone in the universe. My life has been a lie. Yeah. (laughs) Which I love. That's the right answer. I'm glad they didn't find aliens. To make someone sit through a three-hour movie And then have the answer being, yeah, I know you were expecting aliens, but guess what? Go fuck yourself. There's no aliens. Yeah, yeah. That I can respect. If you're going to throw in a second act murder space monkey attack, I feel like you really got to have Chekhov's murder space monkey attack. Like That's got to (laughs) come back. Or at least something that matches the space monkey attack. Yeah, that's the saying, right? A monkey in a space station in the first act will go off in the third and turn into an alien. Yeah, that's its own story. I just feel like Gravity and Interstellar and that one and the other one-off space movies, like, I just, I don't care. (laughs) They're all the same. I am a space person. I like space. I completely agree with you. What? The physicists like space? What? Yeah. I didn't like Gravity and I really didn't like Interstellar. Do you have, like, physics problems with Interstellar? Not really. Nothing bothers me more than Neil deGrasse Tyson being a total a-hole about nitpicky bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if there's science errors in the movies. Like, it's a movie. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if there's something that's really, really stupid, okay, that's one thing. But, like, minor scientific errors. You know, if I see someone on the moon and their hair is blowing or what. I don't fucking care. It's, it's, <laughs> who's who's going to get hung up on that? The thing that Interstellar did that really bothers me, I saw the movie once in the theater and I was like, uh-uh. It has the dumbest math trope in all of filmdom to me, which is we need one piece of information to solve this equation. And if we get it, it'll work. Yeah. And oh, that literally never happens. Like literally never happens. That's not the way equations or science works. You just took the scientific method and threw it out the door? Like, just the one thing? Okay, that's it. We got it. It's a weird MacGuffin in a way that just feels, there's a lot of cooler things you could have done than we just need this one thing. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) I I like a lot of Christopher (laughs) Nolan stuff, but also he just needs to chill the fuck out. Was that Christopher Nolan? Oh, yeah. 
Interstellar? Uh, I never saw it, just out of a general Nolan distaste. I think it was the first post-Inception Nolan, I think. Oh. I think it was Batman bullshit, then dream bullshit, and then space bullshit, and then time travel bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Lots of bullshit. Generally, yes. Did you see Tenet, either of you? No. There's been a handful of times it almost got put on my TV. <laughs> That's a good place for it to stay. Oh, really? <laughs> it's fine. And, you know, like every Christopher Nolan movie, there's some really cool stuff in it. And it thinks it's way smarter than it is. And whatever. It was fine. I didn't love it. Well, I mean, I feel like your general distaste for Christopher Nolan movies means that you guys didn't like the Dark Knight series. I did, actually. I really liked the- They're fine. Yeah, the Nolan Batmans. I thought the Dark Knight, the second one, was great. Because I've never seen them. (laughs) 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 And I won't see them. It's not because, like, Christopher Nolan or anything. It's mostly I boycott Christian Bale movies. Oh, why? Mm. Mostly, it's not anything about his acting or anything like that. I met him in person, and he's just horrible. Oof. He's just a- horrible person and rude and inconsiderate of others. And, you know, I understand that sometimes people have off days and sometimes that shows in a little impatience or, you know, I got to get somewhere real fast. I'm in a hurry. But it was just above and beyond. And, you know, I don't want to get into the details of it, but it just left a really bad taste Uh. in my mouth. And, you know, like been shamed so many times because I haven't seen the Dark Knight series. I'm sticking to my guns. That man is a horrible person. Now, here's (laughs) where the true test is going to happen. I like the Marvel movies. I like the MCU. And the new Thor movie is going to have... Christian Bale in it. Oh, that's where I'm like, (laughs) what am I going to do? Is he the villain? Yeah. Oh, then you get to watch him get beat up, I guess. But that's not the same. I completely understand not watching the Dark Knight trilogy because of that, because it's so hard to like get someone being shitty to you out of your head. And that's like, here's their face for two hours. Yeah. Also, who's going to fucking shame someone for not seeing a movie? Come the fuck on. A lot. There's a lot of people. And it's gotten to the point now where I've just at times refused to say it. And in fact, people who are listening to this podcast, you know, verbatim, that's exactly what they're saying because I didn't see the Dark Knight series. I'm sure we could pile a list of books in front of them being like, you read this motherfucker? No. (laughs) Like, come on, don't shame people for not seeing or not reading stuff. Yeah, everybody's got different tastes. Why make someone feel bad about their decisions or the way they consume media? Everybody enjoys their life as they are. Let them live. Yes, yes. Shaming other people for their media consumption is the number one activity on the internet. So I don't think people are going to stop anytime soon, but it still sucks and I hate it. And everyone just needs to learn the time-honored virtue of shutting the fuck up and knowing when to shut the fuck up. There's my opinion and that's the right (laughs) one. Well, you know who has weird <laughs> gaps in their cultural knowledge? Literally everybody. Yeah. So no one is in any position to shame anyone else because you could, with probably not that much digging, find a very important, whatever, book, movie, album that they've never heard and make them feel stupid for not watching it. Oh, well, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, right. My favorite 
media shaming story is when I was in high school, I went to like, I've maybe said this on the show before, which is the new catchphrase of this show. I've probably told this story on the show before, but I had a, a film professor where it was like a once a week thing where you do lecture for an hour and then you watch a movie. And the guy was like, very charismatic, wiry, like sort of talking to a crowd of people who don't give a shit. And he would always be like, oh, Lars von Trier's Melancholia. You guys ever seen Melancholia? And everyone would be like, no. And then you'd be like, oh, come on, you guys, you've never seen Melancholia? And then like bring up other, you know, deep cuts, like Tarkovsky shit. And it's like, of course these 17-year-olds haven't seen Solaris. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Anyway, there was one day where somebody brought up like, is this thing in Space Jam an example of what you're talking about? And he was like, oh, I've never seen Space Jam. And so everyone like yelled. And then the rest of the semester, every time he would be like, oh, you haven't seen this Dogma 95 movie? Everyone would be like, you haven't seen Space Jam! (laughs) (laughs) And that shut that down pretty quick. Okay, to be fair, and I'm curious if this is a hot take, Space Jam sucks, right? It's bad. It's objectively bad. The first one or the second one or both? Both. The second one, I got maybe 45 minutes into. And as much as I love Don Cheadle, nothing could make me continue watching. Yeah, I turned it off too. I was like, oh, oh. oh." I will say LeBron James is not bad. Mm -hmm. Like, he was pretty good. But the amount of pimping out Warner Media franchise characters. It was a two-hour Warner Brothers commercial. And not in like a fun, tongue-in-cheek way. It was just... How can we work the Matrix into this part? Mm, Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's exactly when I turned it off is when Granny shows up (laughs) in the Matrix. Mm -hmm. It's not funny. It's that style of comedy where just referencing the thing is the joke without adding anything to it. Yeah. Oh, fucking dire. I had to turn it off. But I feel like this is true. A lot of people love the first Space Jam movie. Yeah. And although there is stuff to love about it, I could see that. I think it's terrible. At the time that the first Space Jam came out, I had just broken my wrist. And so I was home from school for a couple of days and that came out and I was watching Space Jam. So I have like good memories associated with it. It Uh sounds really weird. Oh, I broke my wrist and I was recovering and I have good memories. But having my dad come in and, you know, he was like, I got to be the first one to sign your cast and sit down and watch it with me. And it's really sweet. That's nice. So I think it's mostly the memory association that makes me like it. Not necessarily the content. Like if I go back and watch it, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Uh, But the music and some of the quotes just, they make my heart happy. Uh For different reasons. Yeah. I feel like that's the beauty of nostalgic media that's not necessarily good. It's like, if you have positive memories associated with it, then like, fuck yeah, that's great. That's what media is for. But Leighton, do you like Space Jam? (sighs) I need you to take a position on this. Why would I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, why would I, Leighton Gray, like Space Jam? (laughs) Lola Bunny's hot. I don't know. (laughs) That's my only take. (laughs) You're of a certain age where a lot of people tend to like Space Jam. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> That's a stance. I don't know. Why do they make Lola Bunny not hot in this one? Yeah, she's not hot enough. I didn't see it. She's slightly hot, but not hot enough. I get it. We've making a movement forward of not sexualizing this rabbit. Come on. What are we known for as Americans if not sexualizing rabbits? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have you seen the Looney Tunes back in action movie? The one with Brendan Fraser? It's been such a long time. But yeah, I saw it. I think I have. I believe it's Joe Dante and far, far better than Space Jam. 
I mean, it's got Brendan Fraser in it, so of course it's better. Yes, I've absolutely seen this movie. I remember nothing about it, but (laughs) I have at least seen it. It's worth watching. Like, it's been a long time, but I remember it being far better a Looney Tunes thing than fucking Space Jam. Um, (laughs) Also, a lot of the sports jokes were lost on me because I don't know anything about sports. Yeah. And I was like, wait, am I supposed to think Michael Jordan isn't good at these other sports or something? Or I remember my parents were really big into baseball. So when Michael Jordan switched into baseball, they were like, oh, he's so not good and stuff. Wait, wait. Was that a real thing that happened? I yeah. thought that was just from Space Jam. No, he really did it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't remember that. The cultural impact of Space Jam. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I thought that was part of the joke in no. Space Jam. No, he really went and played baseball. Was he good at baseball? No, he was not good at baseball. <laughs> what were your parents' teams? Dodgers. Nice. Dodgers, 110,000%. In fact... Because I live so close to Dodger Stadium, my mom's always like, will you go to Dodger Stadium and get me an official Dodgers hat? I was like, mom, I could just order you one online. She's like, yeah, but it doesn't have the same meaning as if you didn't go to the... I can't dog on my mom for wanting a hat from Dodger Stadium because these rings that I wear, this one's from Amsterdam and this one's from Japan. So it's not like, you know, oh, well, I could have bought them anywhere. That's true. I get it. But... I don't want to go to Dodger Stadium. (laughs) I don't want to go get it. Yeah, I think in all the time I've lived here, the only time I've gone to Dodger Stadium is twice to get vaccinated. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I went to see a game. Look, I I don't give a single shit about sports. I will go to any Dodgers game anytime. Like, I love going to baseball games. I would love to take Audrey to a baseball game. Has she ever been to one? No, because, well, we've been locked down for the last year and a half. And before that, she was definitely too young. I would take her now. I think she wouldn't give a single shit. Let's go to a Dodgers game. Yes, let's do it. I've never been to one either. Going to baseball games, I think it's great. Like, the game itself is totally beside the point. Yeah. Things may or may not happen. Who cares? It's the camaraderie. It is. You get to be in this stadium, and the vibe is generally pretty good. One thing that is really great about the Dodgers games in general, I would imagine, but, you know, that I noticed when I was there the one time, is it's a very wide cross-section of people. Yeah. It is just as diverse as it could possibly be. Everybody is there just because they're in L.A. or rooting for the team or whatever. Yeah. And so you get a really fun collection of people you get to spend way too much on food and you can buy ice cream and a little baseball cap, which is still cute. the best. Yeah. Uh, getting a little soft serve ice cream and a baseball cap, well, a little plastic baseball cap. was great. One of the allures of coming to LA is like walking down Hollywood Boulevard and seeing the Hollywood sign, going to Santa Monica Pier, going to a Dodgers game. I completely agree. And I have a really bad association uh, because I live so close to Dodger Stadium. I've had people park in my driveway. I've had like all the traffic. You can't get in or around when there's a Dodgers game. And, you know, since the season's been going on for a little bit, I'll know when they post these signs that are say, you know, local traffic only. People still use the streets. People still park in red zones. People block driveways. People cut people off. Like the drivers going to Dodgers games can eat an entire ass. You know, not the good way, like the bad way of eating an ass. And it it annoys the hell out of me. I've had people towed from my driveway. Not even like, 
you know, they parked in my driveway like they were visiting. No, they parked sideways in my driveway like parallel parking. And then I can't get out of my house. I've missed work because of people. Come the fuck on. Yeah, I know. It's just like, they're like, oh, well, I got important places to go. (laughs) We must live pretty close to each other because I struggle with the exact same problems due to that. Really? Yeah. I mean, Brian, you know where I live. You live under the bleachers in Dodger Stadium. Yes, I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Those like little baseball caps of ice cream are my entire livelihood. Yeah. There's a real big secondhand market. People don't finish their ice cream, but, Mm -hmm. you know. You just scalp it. You had your little troughs there just to catch the yeah. the vanilla ice cream that drips down <laughs> below the bleachers. Yeah. No, I'm I'm aware. You know, it ain't much, but it's home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were thinking, I do want to take Audrey to some sports games. Would she have fun? I guess that's the question. I think she would. It's 100% an experience that everybody should have. Yeah. Especially growing up, the allure of seeing like a huge crowd of people. This is probably the most people you've ever seen in person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a child, you don't know what everybody's cheering at. You're just happy to be part of it. You're like, yeah. yeah. I remember at probably not quite Audrey's age, but a few years older, like 10 ish. I remember going to Mets games with my dad yeah. and having a great time. Uh, we never went to any football games because those were harder to get tickets to. But yeah. I loved going to baseball games. When I was a grad student in San Diego, we'd get Padres tickets for like 10 bucks and sit in the world's shittiest seats. Leighton, have I talked on the podcast about the time I was part of a Freddy versus Jason marketing stunt? I was about to lead with like, why would you expect me to remember anything either of us say on this podcast? But I would fucking remember that. Go on. <laughs> So when I was in grad school, one of the guys in my band, his wife was in marketing and she was part of the, her agency, is that the right word? Whatever, company was doing some of the marketing for the Freddy versus Jason movie. And so one day he's like, okay, everybody, my wife's company is doing this marketing thing for Freddy versus Jason. Who wants free tickets to a Padres game where we'll give you all camp Crystal Lake camp counselor t-shirts that you wear in the stadium. And when it is time, when they say go on the Jumbotron, you put on Jason masks and fake stab with cardboard knives. That's tight as fuck. Hell yeah. It was great. You know, it was a free ticket to a baseball game. I unfortunately don't have this shirt anymore. That would have gone for like $500 on eBay. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. And I know because I track vintage horror movie memorabilia as a tag on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I still had it. But yeah, I got to put on a, you know, like a cardboard Jason mask and and stab in the... That's cool. In probably the highest or second highest section of Qualcomm Stadium in roughly... I don't know, whenever Freddy versus Jason came out, 2003, something like that. Would video of that exist anywhere? I doubt it very much. I couldn't even tell you what game this was, but it was somewhere around the Freddy versus Jason premiere. I feel like if you Googled Freddy versus Jason, you know, game or whatever, you'd be able to find something. Maybe. That would be fun. I was wearing a Jason mask, so I don't think you'd recognize me personally. I would. <laughs> You're notoriously known for not showing your face. That's right. Just the eyes through the peepholes. You know what? I did get recognized a few times during the pandemic while wearing a mask. Really? By people out in public. That's interesting. Where I was like, wait, am I more recognizable when I'm wearing a mask? It's the eyes, man. It's the eyes. I think so. Especially if the sun's in your eyes and your eyebrows are down like this, which is, yeah. you know, the face you make. Especially if I'm walking around with a person half my height with the same eyebrows <laughs> and face. <laughs> yeah. Just tiny, angry brows. She gets so mad. Oh, that kid. 
I'm Audrey's biggest fan. I love watching the quotes and things like that. Watching her grow up is like not really knowing her personally. It makes me sound super creepy. But oh, <laughs> no, come on. I'm a big fan of Audrey. She's a great kid. The big Audrey news. This is going to be one of my peaches, but I'll just talk about it now. Is she started skateboarding. She's a little <gasps> skater girl. The fucking video you sent me. How is she so good? And that was like 20 minutes in, right? That was like day one, yeah. Some people have a knack for stuff like that. You know, she's a skateboarding prodigy. There you go. She really is. This kid is like super athletic to an extent where I'm like, where did she get this? <laughs> it's, it's skipped a generation. <laughs> but yeah, she got on. It was like going, you know, pretty far distances right away. I was very impressed. Do you think she's enjoying it? Is she going to take it to the limit? Is she enjoying it? Like day two, she's like, I want to go to a skate park. And I'm like, honey, you have to be able to like skate a little bit first before you start going down ramps because she wants to do tricks. Oh. And we showed her a bunch of videos of this young kid. What's her name? I think it's Sky or something like that. Who's like a skateboarding prodigy. Oh, yeah. She's a little blonde girl, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah who's like this 10-year-old skateboarding whiz, and we showed her a bunch of skateboarding videos for her, and she's like, I want to do that. And I was like, if you do anything like that, I'm going to be terrified. <laughs> so let's like build up to it. God bless that child. Yeah. I showed her how you can do the thing where you, you know you kick the skateboard up and you catch it with your hand. Yeah. And then she immediately started trying to do that. But oh, that's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> she could probably land an ollie, right? What's an ollie? It's where you kick the board, it flips, and then you land on it. Flips sideways, not... That's an ollie? Yeah. I don't think she could land it right now, but she's probably not far off. I believe in her. I think she can do it. She definitely will want to try. The way I taught her to skateboard is I watched a six-minute YouTube video on how to teach someone to skateboard. Really? And I have to say, there was a small part of myself where I was like, should I learn to skateboard right now? Should I, like... Learn to skateboard? Your knees would just hate you. I'm 46 years old. I'm not learning to skateboard right now. Yeah. This is not the time. Yeah, but can you imagine you on a skateboard? That is such a funny mental image that I'm going to harass you until you do it. How epic <laughs> and awesome it would be and how coordinated I would be on it. How just fucking sick is all hell it would be. A natural talent. It would be pretty sick. Utilizing that physics degree to... To fall. Science your way into being an amazing skateboarding man. I have a very close physics friend who one time in grad school, they had like open day at his gym at his university. And he, out of nowhere, he was like, but I could do a front flip. And uh -oh. <laughs> tried to execute a front flip and fucked his knee up <gasps> so badly that he still has problems. Oh, no. With it. This is a physicist, a theoretical physicist where one day he was just like, yeah, you know what? Let's fucking do this. And he was, you know, at the time, he was probably 28, 29. So not like, not old, but not as young as most people are when they decide to learn how to do a flip. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, was limping for months. Oh, And no. still has knee problems. Oh, that sucks so bad. And no alcohol involved? This was the middle of the day. And he was a skater guy. He was pretty good on that stuff. And I cannot imagine possessing the confidence, the sheer confidence in my body to be like, you know what? Yeah, I bet I could do a flip, flip. Oh, God. You know. Uh, this is why only like one of the three ways you can die in Dream Daddy is if you do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs>
I didn't know that. Okay, wait. What are the ways you can die in Dream Daddy besides that? Is this privileged information? No, and it's relevant to you because you wrote Ballad for a Fallen Dad, which is what plays when you die. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? I forgot writing that until now, yeah. <laughs> and then I did a terrible little, like, those shitty dad sneakers under a spotlight, and that plays if you die. The ways you can die in Dream Daddy, I think Brian can punch you off of the Ferris wheel, <laughs> and then you fall to your death. <laughs> to be clear to everyone listening, not me, Dad Brian. Dad Brian, if you jump off the waterfall with Craig too many times, you can die. And then the other one is at the church mixer or whatever, the Jesus is coming mixer. If you try a backflip during the dance off, you biff it and die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other death states? There isn't even a death state in the cult ending. Damn. Yeah. We we're like, if we're going to have these, we need to have like more than one. I think it was because it was so often that we were writing and we would get stuck and then just like die. start writing like you die. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how writing works. And then we we're like, you know, we should just keep some of those in. That's how life works, you know? <laughs> that's true. Exactly. <laughs> Warning children against, and each one had like a stupid pun. I think the waterfall one was like, you water fell to your death. Uh -huh. You water <laughs> Yeah. I love that there are deaths in Dream Daddy. Yeah. It should have been. You die, and then you wake up, and it was all a dream, Daddy. That line is in the game, actually. That line's in the cult ending. Yeah. <laughs> That's in the cult ending? Yeah, it is. All along, you've been living a dream, Daddy, and now it's time to wake up. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I want to wake up. <laughs> yeah, just dads and sleeping all the time. Oh, we're all about it. We're recording this on Sunday. I unsuccessfully attempted to sleep through the day, and it did not work. Oh. Mm. It's just hot. It's not nap weather. Like, usually a weekend for me is I'm going to watch films and then nap. Mm -hmm. Maybe heavier on the napping side. And <laughs> now now it's so hot, I just lay there miserably. And maybe I lose consciousness. But when I come to, I'm like, I was aware of being hot that entire time. And I'm not here for it. Do you not have a working air conditioner? Or do you not turn it on? Or it's just hot no matter what? I have a working air conditioner. Like, the wall of my apartment is windows. Yeah. There is no escaping from the Los Angeles sun. Yeah. It's the sun that's the killer. And then also above my bed, there's a window with like a tapestry. And maybe, bless her, when I'm trying to nap, wants to shove the tapestry to the side so that she can look out the window at the other dogs. And oh. instead, that means that there is a big beam of light coming straight from my fucking face. Oh, oh God. Oh. Terrible. This room in my office is actually the hottest in the house because it's got all this uh, soundproofing foam or whatever. Yep. And so I'm starting to sweat right now, even though I'll step out in the hallway and like be cold. Classic. Does that neon sign get hot in there? I'm going to go touch it right now. Do, Do it. it. Look at those pants. <laughs> Wait, Look what are those pants? Those is he wearing pajama pants? Oh, yeah. It's not hot. Brian. Well, I'll tell you what is hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about your pants. Well, I actually, I, ha I have an interesting story about these pants. And by interesting, I mean not interesting. Late night with Brian Wecht. Yes. Rachel purchased these for me around Christmas last year and gave them to me and said, you're going to hate these pants. Now, up until about, I don't know, maybe two years ago, I was not much of a lounge pants kind of guy. I would wear jeans or shorts, and that's pretty much it. I was never a sweatpants type of person. And Rachel purchased me a pair of lounge pants. I was like, these are pretty great. I like them. She bought me this pair, and they were a little too 
they just didn't fit great. You know, they were just a little uncomfortable. They were fine, but they weren't great. And so I was like, I like this style of thing, but this particular one, I don't know about. So she bought me these winter themed lounge pants from Old Navy, not to buzz market. And I tried them on and I was like, these are great. And these are my new casual pants now. And so, especially for the last year, when 5 or 6 p.m. rolls around, I will more often than not change into these winter-themed pants. And they have little polar bears on them and fur trees, and they look very, very Midwestern. (laughs) I love this for you with the Americana brand shirt. Yeah. Style. As you know, I'm all about fashion. Yes. We're at like 43 minutes. We should introduce our guest and also this podcast. Yes. Off the back of the riveting lounge pants discussion. Everybody, this is Late Night with Brian Weck. This voice over here is Leighton Gray. Oh, what's good? That other one was Brian. Mystery guest, whose name I almost said in full. Who are you? Hi. Would you care to introduce yourself? Uh Uh-huh, no. (laughs) Uh My name is Pamela Horton. I am a human being residing on the planet Earth. Great. Fabulous. Perfect. We have so much in common. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So... Brian, are you a lounge pants convert now? Would you, of your own volition, purchase sweatpants? No. Well, are sweatpants lounge pants? Yes. Okay. No, I don't think so. I don't think I would just go buy sweatpants because I don't know when I would wear them. I say that, and now I wear lounge pants nearly every day. You can wear sweatpants anytime you want, Brian. And that's the beauty of sweatpants. It is true, and there really is no meaningful distinction between what I'm wearing now and sweatpants, but I don't know. Last pair of sweatpants I had, I believe, were Champion brand and probably somewhere around the 1996 era. Yeah. Something like that. It's been a while. I have the opposite problem. I wear cozy clothes, pajama pants, sweatpants all the time, even before the pandemic. It was like, do I need to dress up? Do I need to put a face on? No? Okay, sweatpants. Yeah, same. It's sweatpants and like basketball shorts for me or like running shorts. Do you think there is any kind of gendered aspect in this? Because generally, by which I mean, men can kind of wear whatever comfortable clothes and it's more or less okay. People don't judge them for it. I feel like with women, the standards from some people can be a lot higher. Yeah. And so you're expected to put on makeup, wear blah, blah, blah. And so maybe are more likely to wear comfortable clothes given the opportunity. Is that fair? I mean, I don't think I I can testify on this because I don't give a shit what other people <laughs> well, think. That, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've worn cozy clothes all the time. I'll go out to, like, I grew up in Kansas even though I was born in L.A. And, you know, everybody there is in their loungewear. It's like gym shorts and tank tops and sports bras and stuff like that. So maybe it's that environment I grew up in around. But dude, if someone's dogging on you because of the way that you're dressed. Oh, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah, scoot along. Yeah. That's absolutely true, of course. I'm comfortable. I'm living. I'm respectful of others. Peace out, Apple Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I also think with the trend of like athleisure becoming a stylish thing now, which is great. I've also reached the level of not giving a shit. Right before pandemic, I was like, you know, I'm not trying to dress like a little bit more like sharp and like professional. And now I'm just like, I don't, I'm going to wear my true detective shirt for four days 
and <laughs> tiny basketball shorts and fuck you. I was seriously considering, and this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was seriously considering at some point, like, should I hire someone to like kind of redo my wardrobe, like to help me redo it? Because I, I just wear the same shit all the time. It's jeans and a t-shirt, generally speaking. Rachel constantly is like, you need to dress better. <laughs> well, sorry, that makes her sound very demanding. What she says is, you would look great in a lot of other stuff you're not currently wearing. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like, men dressing up is like lingerie for women, you know? Like, right. button-up shirt and nice slacks and a tie. Ooh, baby, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think if you don't personally have an interest in changing your wardrobe, even if you go out there with a stylist, like, she's not going to come in every day and go into your closet for you and tell you to put something on. No, no, but is there no value, though, in talking to someone who is aware of not even trend? I could, could give two shits about fashion trends. I really don't care. But just of what people wear and be like, hey, here are some options you haven't maybe thought of. Yeah. Literally just to mix things up and say, try this. What do you think? That doesn't seem like a crazy leap. It's not. If you are genuinely interested in this, I have a friend who is really good. She knows like the whole spectrum. Her name's Angie. She's super sweet. I love her so much. She knows the whole spectrum of wardrobe, like super flashy Met Gala type stuff. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. I need Met Gala level gear. Yeah. Met yeah. Gala level. Yeah. I want the Billy Porter hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she challenges my wardrobe. And actually there are pieces that She's pushed me into trying that I actually really enjoy. That's what I'm talking about. Is that like, hey, I would never pick this out for myself. Yeah. Like, I just don't know enough and I don't have the confidence in my judgment on this stuff to walk into an unfamiliar, like, I don't go to a lot of clothes stores. Yeah. I don't even know what is for sale. So, I think you would enjoy it. I would totally talk to her. I would like that. You should get like an early 2000s rom-com fashion montage where you're like <laughs> running around and oh yeah, there's just like bags. Open up the curtains. Yeah, yeah. I'd need to start out with a really stupid, maybe like a 90s haircut, which I guess are kind of back in now with the center part and kind of the bangs. Although yeah. I refuse to yeah. wear that, but I did have that briefly. <laughs> are you dunking on Matt Watson specifically? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be honest. I am. <laughs> Matt is one of the more fashionable people I know and one of the best at pulling off the athleisure look. He pulls it off and his center part works on him. Absolutely. Yes. But now his hair is exactly how mine was like two years ago. And now people being like, are you guys related is happening again. And I would like it if people would stop. Wait, what? Yeah. For like years, I've gotten the like, are you are you like Matt's cousin or something? Really? Yeah. I guess I can see that. We're both doofy-looking, extremely white people. That's what makes you guys related, is the same hairstyle. That's what cousins do all the time. Yeah. I think Brian should get a stylist, because it would be funny. Yeah. I mean, I think also, too, the fun part about having a stylist come in is normally when you go shopping with a group of people, it's not just about you. So when you go with a stylist whose sole objective is to shop for you, it's a little bit more involved and you don't feel quite as like, oh, it's taking forever. And you're actually pursuing your own, you know, wardrobe interests. It's a lot of fun. I was very surprised at how nice it was to go out shopping for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something I never do, though. Actually, the last time I did, it was right pre 
pandemic, Rachel and I were going to like a charity event and mm-hmm. it was like a dress up thing. And I went and I got like a new suit, which I haven't bought in forever. And it felt great. It was awesome. And I just never do that. It's something I may enjoy. I'll hook you up. Thank you. Angie will love it. Weirdly, it is one of the things that talking about it, I feel slightly embarrassed and there's no reason to. There isn't. I really shouldn't, but it, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. I could see you getting really into cardigans. Yeah. Oh, I have a cardigan. <laughs> okay. Actually, at the same time Rachel bought me these lounge pants, she bought me a cardigan. That's funny. Yes. And so for a while, I was around the winter, I was wearing these pants and a cardigan. I bet you you'll walk out of uh, going shopping with at least three bomber jackets. Oh. Because that's the thing. A bomber Is that jacket. A thing? That would be fun on Brian. I like that. Okay. Well, look, I don't want to make this all about myself, but I'm happy to. What looks <laughs> or styles do you think I should, or articles of clothing that do you think I should try? We've got bomber jackets. I think, and I know nothing about fashion. I'm just visualizing a Brian makeover. Sure, sure, sure. Like a ninja costume kind of thing. That would be <laughs> maybe a black or navy blue, just solid bomber jacket with like some bright patterned shirt underneath, a button up, maybe short sleeve shirt uh-huh. underneath, and then just like some burgundy pants. Oh yeah. <laughs> From living in England, I noticed British men tend to wear. Solid colored pants that a lot of American men wouldn't normally wear. I saw a lot of mustard yellow, a lot of maroon. Mustard is very good. A lot of like, not quite lime green, but somewhere between like a lime and an olive green pants. Chartreuse. Yeah, that's a blue. Is that right? No, it's green. It's like baby poop green. Yeah, it's like yellowy green. Yeah. If you went into a, you know, like the men's sections of a British store, you would see these Sorry, I say pants, but of course I mean trousers that were colors that I was like, I don't think I could pull that off. And then I would watch some British dude wearing it and it would completely work with a little scarf and whatever, you know, very European kind of style. I'm like, maybe that's a worthwhile thing to try. Wardrobe is like you finding your taste in music. You just have to experiment, find out what you like and then do it. And since I have literally perfect taste in music, I probably have perfect taste in clothes as well. That's a good point, Pam. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of upgrading your wardrobe is finding the pieces that you already like, that you like a lot, and then finding new pieces that elevate that. Yeah. So like, oh. you could still wear the fun shirts that you wear, such as this Americana brand shirt. But yes. if you threw a bomber jacket on top of that, it may be a fun colored pant. That's interesting. I feel like our friend Jory is a good example of wearing a nice graphic tee and then a fun yes. color pant and some matching socks. You are totally correct. Jory really pulls that off. Absolutely. And he looks great doing it. He's very coordinated, and I admire it very much. I'm excited to see this new Brian coming. Yeah. The t-shirt thing is interesting because at some point, the if the t-shirts are too funny, quote unquote, you look like an absolute monster. And Mm -hmm. that's a fine line to pull off between wearing an interesting, quirky t-shirt And a quote-unquote funny t-shirt. And what stone tablets is this written? Like, too funny is... (laughs) It is purely personal preference, but I definitely feel myself when I'm reaching for a t-shirt in the morning, as I do. There are some that I have where I'm like, this feels like it's trying too hard to be, like, hilarious or whatever. Do you have just, like, kiss me, I'm an asshole shirts from Spencer's in the (laughs) 90s in the back of your closet or some shit? I should, yeah, golf addict. (laughs) 
it's not that much. I don't have anything that's way over that line. But yeah, they're not Love Never Dies level of beach t-shirt, but you know what I mean. Like there's some t-shirts that are a little too funny that I don't think I could pull off anymore. And indeed would probably not be becoming on a 46 year old in the way they might be on a 18 year old or something. You know what I think you should do? I think you should become a sneakerhead. I think you should get really into sneakers and collecting them. Oh, okay. Sneakerhead? What is that? It's sneakers as a hat. It's the new trend on TikTok. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There has to be a hat that's sneakers. That has to be a thing. It 100%. And I'm imagining right now a bucket hat that has yes. like stupid yes. laces uh-huh. on it. <laughs> yes. Yep. Ugh. But Brian, I think if you got like one nice pair of like sneakerhead sneakers, it would do a lot for you. Yeah. I have one pair of footwear that I've been wearing, actually, that I got for free from a company that reached out on Twitter. (laughs) And I really like them. This is a terrible road to go down, but I'm trying to imagine the kind of shoes that you normally wear. And I'm conjuring nothing almost as if you have no feet. And I'm just like not thinking about you from the ankles down. He's just floating. Yeah. So there's a website I want you to visit, Layton. It's called Wiki Feet Men. Uh, is it segment time? Do we do segments? No, no, it is definitely not segment time. Although I thank you for pointing out. If you want to see physical evidence of the existence of my feet, you can go to WikiFeet Men and search for B-R-I-A-N-W-E-C-H-T and look at that sweet, I believe, 4.72 out of 5 rating. Ooh. Just a guess as to what the rating is. I think my WikiFeet rating is still at five stars. <laughs> is it real? Ooh. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, of course. I'm going to see. Yeah. I got to look this up now. Yeah. Still got five stars. <laughs> Got him. Wow. People who like your feet also like what other feet. That's my favorite part of WikiFeet, the foot recommendations. John Cena's on mine. John Cena? Is it Cena or Cena? I literally don't know. <laughs> Cena. It's John Cena. You know what I think? I was thinking about this the other day. In Spanish, the opposite of John Cena would be Juan Dinner. Right? <sighs> okay, I'll end with the podcast. See, that's exactly the level of something that I thought I should tweet this from NSP and then reject it for being not a good idea. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that a WikiFeet page has not popped up since getting my underage WikiFeet nuked. What? Oh, yeah. Do you want to fill Pam in on this? The reason I'm growing when Brian is bringing up WikiFeet is I feel like WikiFeet is a like cornerstone of the show just because Brian will not shut up about his fucking WikiFeet rating. And then there was one of these episodes where he was like, do you have a WikiFeet? And I was like, no, I there's no way. I never post pictures of my feet. Anyway, yes, there was a WikiFeet for me, but it was all pictures I'd posted when I was like 15 oh. that incidentally had my feet in them. So that was a real quick mod message like, hello, <laughs> please take down my underage feet. Oh, my rating went up. I'm at a 4.79 now. Ooh. People who liked Brian Weck's feet also liked Brian Weck's amazing attitude. John <laughs> Cena, Chris Hemsworth, Aaron Hansen, Rhett McLaughlin, and Markiplier. People who liked Pamela Horton's feet also liked Lena Hetty or Hedy. Oh, wait, wait. Can we guess? Okay. I think we might need some hints. Okay. Lena Headley. How are you? I- Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Evil Lynn, also from the new. Masters of the Universe. Can you give us some hints? This is fun. Firework. Katy Perry. Oh, Katy yeah. Perry. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And I don't know these other ladies. All right, then just tell us the names. Okay, Dakota Johnson, Isabelle Fontana, nice. and Shay Mitchell. I know Dakota Johnson, but the other two I don't know. Yeah. What is your opinion on WikiFeet, Pam? It's like 
way, way, way back in when there was like the hot or not website. You'd upload a picture. Oh, wow. Yeah. I jokingly talk about my rating on Wikifeet. I never uploaded anything. And, you know, it's not something I proudly support. But I think anybody or any website or anything like that that asks you to rate anything about a physical person, like looks or whatever, I think that we as a society could do without that. So yeah. that's how I feel in general. But it's also mm. not to king shame anybody. Everybody's got their own kinks. But no, of course, yeah. It's just to me, feet are weird. <laughs> yeah, I will minimize seeing my own feet as much as possible. And actually, it was really funny. I had this conversation. My fiance and I have known each other since middle school. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it. Yeah. We've been together now for just under three years, and I have seen his feet only in the shower because he always wears socks. Really? Yeah, only in the shower. Because he likes wearing socks or because he doesn't want to see his feet? Actually, it's just because he's cold a lot. Yeah. Mm. And he also does this thing that I like legs on both men and women, and I was like, damn, you got really nice calves, baby. It's because he walks on the pads of his feet wherever he goes. Oh, wow. Mm, it really develops the calves. Yeah. yeah. He's got really nice calves. Is he a gentleman cat burglar? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a gentleman cat dad. Yeah. But not a burglar. He's a really, really sweet guy. But if he needed to tiptoe around on the pads of his feet and with socks. Actually, I don't know how he does it. He sneaks around when I'm asleep. And I don't wake up. And it could just be because I'm really heavy sleeper. Maybe not. I hear my cats when they're being loud and obnoxious. And I'm like, ugh, cat food, you know? But he'll sneak around. I don't hear him. And then I tiptoe along and like right on the floor. No, I can't sneak as well as he can. So maybe, yeah, he is a sneaky cat burglar. That's fun. One of my all-time favorite character tropes, the gentleman cat burglar. I love it. Gentleman cat burglar. Wait, name an example of a gentleman yeah. cat burglar. David Niven from the Pink Panther, for example. Uh-huh. There are others kind of in the 60s, but the Pink Panther one is the one that I think of first. And now I've got the song in my head. Yeah, oh, the best. The saxophone is an instrument that will make pennies drop for millennia even more. <laughs> in college, for some intro musicology class, the professor would ask upper-class music majors to come in and do a thing. And he asked me to come in and just play a few famous saxophone lines on the saxophone. And I remember being introduced to a class of freshmen. By the way, I have hair down to my waist, giant round glasses. I'm wearing Tevas with socks and baggy jeans. You know, he introduces me. He goes, and of course, you know, we have music major Brian Wecht playing the saxophone here. The saxophone, of course, being a famous symbol of eroticism. (laughs) In music throughout the ages. And I was like, please don't do this to me, dude. Like, put you on the spot. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> oh, it was it was so awful. I was mortified. And then I played what I can't even remember. The classical saxophone licks are few and far between. There's a bunch of like French opera in the late 19th century. Strauss uses them in a few things here and there, whatever. But like classical saxophone, you gotta kind of look to find it. Yeah, what's the classical equivalent of the shirtless, sweaty man and Lost Boys just going at it? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, everybody listening right now, if you Google Brian Wecht, 
He is the sex object. He is the epitome of sexual. What was the term you used? Eroticism. Yeah, sexual eroticism. That's just what people think. It got so extreme, I had to make a sex band. Yeah, yeah. Like, at some point, that was the only outlet. It's just oozing. Oh, maybe not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, and I'm seeing a doctor about it. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to segments. <coughs> Segment. <coughs> yeah, we'll give Leighton a second here. No, I'm fine. I'm great. I'm feeling flirty, fun, and fresh. <laughs> you said that, I think it was like, I don't know, three weeks ago or something on the podcast. And that phrase has stayed with me. I'm so glad. Flirty, fresh, and fun. <laughs> flirty, fun, and fresh. So funny. In that order. Yeah, it's important. When my therapist asks me how I am, it's always flirty, fun, and fresh. You may well be the least flirty person I've ever met. And... <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> it's the straight face when saying it, too. Yeah. It's great. All right. So our first segment, Pam, it is our pop culture recommendation segment. You can talk about a book you've read, a movie you've seen, an album you've listened to. But the real thing, the real thing about this segment is the theme song. The segment itself is good. And of course, we get a lot of interesting recommendations from it. But the theme song to this segment is where the segment particularly Shine. Slayton, please stop looking at your phone. Slayton, put your phone down and listen. <laughs> this isn't my phone. This is my tiny phone. I'm going to need you to specify. Okay, please put your tiny phone down and pay attention to the recording we're doing. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to consider that down. The theme song is something that I wrote all by myself as the themes of various segments on this podcast have been written by me as a professional musician. Are you playing it live? What's going on? You'll hear it in just a second. Look, that's a very good question. I do have all these keyboards here, right? And sometime I should. That's a great idea, actually. Sometime I should perform it live. It's a little hard because it does have a lot of moving parts. I just heard a bunch of excuses. I don't... <laughs> you know what? Pam, I agree with you. <laughs> that's a good point. This podcast is famously a no-excuse zone, and so I should not offer excuses. You needed someone to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I did, though. So thank you. You know what? Okay, I'm going to make a promise here today that I will find a way of performing the What's Poppin' theme live on a future episode. Yeah! If anybody remembers anything about my podcast attendance, <laughs> it's that this came out of it. That's right. It's going to happen. We'll need to figure it out, too, Layton, because you have a vocal part in the theme song as well. So we'll need to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. I might need to sample it. It's an interesting question. <laughs> Let me think about this for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I think I could make that work. Okay, got it. But the point is that the theme song is really incredible and I'm gonna play it for okay. you right okay. now. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? All right. That was the theme song. I didn't hear it. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Brian, how do you feel? I feel like my bit failed again, and I need to be better at introducing it, but I'm glad I tried. <laughs> so is this an ongoing joke that you introduce something and nothing happens, or...? <laughs> <laughs> That's about the shape of it, yeah. No, 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 no. That's... I, I would... <laughs> Describe that characterization as tremendously dismissive of what I'm trying to do. <laughs> okay. 
with the what's popping thing. Oh, sorry. So the bit that you're trying to do is putting the guest on the spot and making everybody upset by doing this every week. Is that your goal? That's a lot closer, actually. So that's not really (laughs) far from it. I would say what I'm trying to do is create an environment in which everyone can be cool and have fun. (laughs) Okay. That's really my goal. Two things you are so well known for. Definitely no one was on the spot or, you know, nobody was holding their breath or anything, waiting for just the life-changing music to happen. I mean, I've seen you play live. I know that it's good. That's right. Anyway, we put the theme song in in post. Leighton, what's popping? What's popping for me is uh, there's a film that I watched. It's called Wax or the Discovery of Television by the Bees. Have either of you seen this? I have. No, I don't even know about it. Yes! Fuck yes. Okay, it's a weird art film. It's all on YouTube. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's pretty good. You should watch it. Really? Yeah. Did you just see it for the first time? Yes. When did you see it, Pam? Is it recent? No, I I mean, how long ago did it come out? 91. Yeah. But he was working on it for like six years, which shows for sure. Yeah, you can see the time jumps, but I remember watching it. Oh man, I was still in college. You just saw it for the first time, Layden. Yeah. Can you tell me anything about it? I don't know how to elaborate further on what the movie is about. (laughs) You just got to watch it. It's a recommendation. It's an experience. Fair enough. Yes. It's on YouTube. There's no reason not to watch it. It is an audiovisual treat for the senses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. Very fun melding of a lot of ideas and visuals and archival footage. Makes you think. Animation makes you think. Yeah. Just... Mesopotamian bees, man. They have a lot to teach us. <laughs> bees in general, pretty dank. Yes. So anyway, that's Wax for the Discovery of Television by the Bees. Watch it on YouTube. I'm going to shove it on as many people as I can. The less you know going in, the better. No, 100%. Don't look up shit about this movie. Just start watching it. Okay, great. And you will be physically unable to stop watching it because it is that, like, hypnotic. You said you think I will love this. Yes. Great. Pam, what's popping? What's popping with me is I just started rereading the Benfold's autobiography, A Dream About Lightning Bugs. Oh. Ooh. I love Benfold's. He's my favorite musician. I love Benfold's. As soon as you're done, I want to talk about Benfold's, but yes. Okay. But <laughs> I love the way he looks at life. I love the way that he consumes things around him. And reading the way that he walks you through his life, it's really eye-opening. He points out things that you never would have thought of before, just in your average day. I mean, he's notorious in his songs for, you know, singing about mall cops. Uh He finds so much in average everyday things. I finished the book the first time and I went on this writing frenzy. I've been in the process of writing a book about my life for a while. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. It's more cathartic to just write, but Ben Folds as a creator just inspires. And I think that if you read A Dream About Lightning Bugs, that if you are pursuing something that involves creating or building or anything like that, you'll come out of the other side of it with the mental fortitude and willpower that you need to proceed. So amazing. that's what's popping with me. I didn't know he had written a book. I'm excited to read that. I want to say it's like two years old, three years old. I have a digital version and then I actually got a signed copy. Oh. He was doing a <gasps> signing in LA and I met him. My only brag is my fiance got me my first vinyl, which was suburbs. Uh-huh. And I brought it, even though we weren't supposed to bring anything else for him to sign. And I was like, hey, so I tweeted about 
me. This is my first final. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Oh, that's awesome. He quote tweeted it. And, and he was like, I don't want to tell you what my first final was. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then he signed it. I had to get it framed. And uh, I was such a huge fan of Ben Folds. I love it. That's so cute. So, okay. Favorite Ben Folds songs. Because I am also a huge fan. I think recently one that I've been listening to a lot is Capable of Anything. Mm, I don't remember that one. It's a newer okay, one. gotcha. But OG, uh, basically anything on Songs for Silverman. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one, yeah. I have a hard time picking. Just listen to the Ben Folds discography and all yeah. of them are <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> one of my top five albums of all time is an authorized biography of Reinhold Messner. Yeah. And... Every song on that album is just fucking amazing. Yes. I love the lullaby at the end. I love narcolepsy. I love don't change your plans for me. I I told a story on this podcast about how I had a relationship that was clearly doomed and I was moving and the girl in question was not. And I, in a fit of weakness, played don't change your plans for me for her as just an example of a song I happened to like. And she got very sad and said, is this about us? And I had to admit that it kind of was. Yeah. (laughs) Ironically enough, I had a very similar situation. Oh, really? Yeah. Aside from like growing up and listening to like Boingo Boingo with my dad. Nice. We're big Boingo fans on this pod. Big Danny Elfman Boingo fans here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm in good company, but most of my individual life, I've loved Ben Folds. And so I know you know this, Brian, but I don't know if you know this, Leighton. In the early 10s, I was a playmate. Oh, yeah. When it was like confirmed and everything was happening, they're like, you got to take advantage of this and you got to build something from it. My boyfriend at the time, he was like, I would hate myself forever if I kept you from realizing your potential. And that song was kind of the theme song to, you know, me moving out of Kansas and pursuing a career in gaming because he was just like, I love you and I love that I've been loved by you, but I would hate myself forever if I let you stay here and not realize your full potential. That sounds like a good person. That is a good thing to say to someone. Yeah. He's a very good person. A lot of people are like, yeah, I don't talk to my exes. And me, I'm like, if any of my current SOs talk crap about this guy, I was like, you owe him everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he was always very supportive and he was my number one fan. And, you know, when everybody else was like, oh, I don't know, Playboy. Oh, that's if he was like, hell yeah. do it. It's going to be great. And I still talk to him. He's still very much in my corner. And that's awesome. It's one of those things where I felt a lot of growth in a breakup and not just like I should do better. You know, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. So anyways, Brian, what's popping? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I could talk about Ben Folds for forever. I mean, really, one of my musical and piano heroes. Why don't we just start a Ben Folds podcast? Uh, (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. Are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> well, okay, hold on. What would, would it be called? Pod in the suburbs. It has to be an obscure reference to Venfold so that the true fans would know and then new fans would learn to know it. There you go. Okay, what is that? This is a good question. Not a deep cut, but pod for the dumped. <laughs> That's very good. I like that a lot. Which is every podcast, actually. Which is every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come up with one more. What's another really good? Brick, the podcast. <laughs> 
done. Go. Okay, got him. Nailed it. Done and done. Brian, what's popping? <laughs> what's popping for me this week is a new Prince album. Oh, yeah. Which it was recorded in, I think, 2010 and then shelved for kind of mysterious reasons, for Prince reasons. And it's called Welcome to America. He had a Welcome to tour. And I think he played a few things. A couple of the tracks were here and there. And the album came out a couple of weeks ago now. It's really, really good. It is like exactly the kind of stuff that I wish he had been doing more of later in his career. And it's like, it's fun. The playing is just unreal. It's very funky. It's like very funk and groove driven. You know, it's not like a top five of all time Prince album, but it is a very, very good Prince album. And I'm a huge Prince fan. A lot of the later stuff to me is just borderline unlistenable. The guy's obviously a genius no matter what, but it just is not compelling. Yeah. This album I've heard start to finish probably five times now. Really? And it's really, really great. I really love it. I saw it pop up on my Spotify and I was like, I don't know. This feels like a money grab, but I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you say that it's good, then I'm going to listen to it. I really, really like it. It's got some tracks that are just fantastic on it. Good. And Audrey loves it too. She was bopping around the house to it. It's got Audrey's seal of approval. It's got the big Audrey seal. In fact, she had a little like tin flute, like penny whistle kind of thing that she was just bouncing around the house, blasting on this thing, full volume, oh. atonal, screeching while dancing <laughs> to this Prince album. But yeah, uh, Welcome to America, the new Prince album, recorded roughly 10 years ago and just came out this year, but it's a solid Prince entry. I like we did uh, book and movie and music. Good for us. Yeah. Yeah, we had a good spread this week. My other option here was going to be I saw Hot Rod for the first time. But <gasps> What? Um, you saw Hot Rod for the first time? Yeah, well, see, I knew exactly that would be your reaction. So we can talk about this next week. Uh, and I can't Fuck. believe I hadn't seen it. I can't believe I hadn't it seen it before. Reads. Whiskey. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's I the know. most quotable. It's amazing. <laughs> I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite oh. thing in Hot Rod was when a scene is opening where it's Danny McBride and fuck, is it Bill Hader and someone else? They're outside and he's just high fiving him. And then he goes, That's how you do that. <laughs> I highly recommend, I don't know where you watched it, but I have it on DVD, like a true patrician, but the commentary track for that movie, fucking great. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Yorma and uh, Akiva and Andy Samberg just refusing to talk about the movie and just doing bits the entire time. Yeah. I watch anything Ian McShane does. Yeah. Anyway, I could talk at length about this. It was really great. We'll do it next week, but Hot Rod's like my favorite non-horror movie. Yeah. It's fucking best. All right, time for our final segment which is called Peaches and Lemons, which is three-part gratitude exercise and one-part petty grousing. Here is where that theme song goes, and I'm not going to trick you into thinking you're going to hear it right now. Which I would never do. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. Okay, that was the theme song. We will each start with a lemon, which is like a petty grievance. Who's got a lemon? Oh, I have a solid fucking lemon. There are a couple weeks left in the summer where Audrey doesn't have camp. In fact, we had to pull her from camp because her camp had a bunch of COVID cases. So I pulled her out of that camp and we found, like, for the remaining weeks, a really awesome beach camp that we were going to enroll her in. And then we got an email yesterday saying the whole thing was canceled starting tomorrow <laughs> for understaffing reasons. Oh. And so she was so excited about it. 
look, she's still going to have a great time. She'll have a great summer before school starts. Being a little skater girl. Yeah. Have you played her Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne? I have not. <laughs> I will, though. I, I thought about it. You need to. It's important that you do that. I've definitely played her complicated. Yeah, I was just, she was psyched about beach camp and then they had to cancel it, which it happens. I get it. And it's far from the worst thing in the world, but it was a bummer. And that's my lemon. That's a lemon, baby. Yep. Pam, do you have a lemon? I do. So we have these feral cats and raccoons who fight in our yard for dominance. And there's like a shrubbery between my property and our neighbor's property. And I'm pretty sure there's something dead in there. So there's flies and ants all over the place. And my lemon is just that there's a smell. There is ants and giant flies everywhere. And it bothers me because like little scout ants everywhere crawling on me. And I'm like, (laughs) Uh, that's my lemon. Yeah, flies are also the worst. Like, nothing infuriates me more than just having a fly. Like, it would be one thing if they weren't so fucking loud. Yes. They're so loud. And big and gross. And dumb. Yes. They're just like, what's this? (laughs) Fuck flies. I hate them. Love swatting them, though. Love swatting a fly. It's good stuff. My lemon, I don't have, like, a true little lemon this week because all my lemons lately have been such big naturals that, like, I can't find a petty one. (laughs) But... I want to take this opportunity to say that Trevor Moore from Whitest Kids You Know died. Oh, I know. Rest in peace, dude. What a loss. That fucking sucks. Yeah, it yeah. was such a bummer. But everyone go watch sketches in his honor because he's fucking great. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for peaches, which are three good things. Each of us do three good things, little, small, big, whatever. Doesn't matter. I can go first. Yes, do it. All right, peach number one. A 200%ed Cuphead. Yes. I finished it on normal and then expert. Wow. Yes. Just at some point got into my head that I wanted to do it. I love that game. One of my all-time favorites. I love the way it looks. I love the way it sounds. And I just decided to fucking keep grinding and got it done. I'm not going to S rank the whole thing, but I am going to try to get all the pacifist ranks as well. So I'm proud of myself as a little gamer kid. Hell yeah. To finish Cuphead at a level that I suspect most people playing it haven't. Yeah, I barely got past level three. It's really fucking hard, but it's a really great game. So that's peach number one. Peach number two is my online science conference that I helped organize was this weekend, and it was a huge success. Good. Oh, congrats. This is Nexus, N-E-C-S-S, the Northeast Conference on Science and Skepticism that I co-organize with a few people, including the Skeptics Guide to the Universe podcast folks, including Jay Novella, who was a guest on this show. And we had a great conference. We had geneticist George Church. We had two scientists from NASA. One woman was in charge of their lunar program and another was a biologist. And she was working on basically how do you get people to Mars, things like that. Wow, we've come full circle with the Mars chat this episode. Yeah, Yeah, right? That's actually why I brought up Ad Astra. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a huge success. And we try to do like some fun game showy things too. So we ran a game show that I've been co-creating with those guys. And my sister and I, with a couple other sibling pairs, did a newlywed game style thing where you have to answer questions about your sibling and like hold up the the response and see if it matches what they say. Aww. And it's the only time my sister and I have done like an on-camera thing together. 
And I talked to her afterwards and she was like, let's do this again. This is really fun. Does this exist anywhere? Yes. If people go to anyCSS.org, it's on Crowdcast. It'll be available for at least another month. Uh, I forget how much a ticket is, but maybe it's 20 bucks to see it, but it's worth it. It's really, really fun. Cool. Hell yeah. And uh, my final peach is I had a lovely day at the beach with some friends, both of whom are mutual friends of ours. We went with Laser Corn and Trisha Hirschberger. Oh, lovely. And the families. And we all went to Zuma Beach and had a great time. That's a big group of wonderful people. It was so much fun. Laser Corn has a little one who's, you know, like... I don't think he's three yet. I can't quite remember. Yeah, he's almost three. Yeah, watching the other children bury him in the sand happily. He wanted it. They were not doing something he didn't want to do. Yeah. Just watching this little head sticking out. Most of the kids got buried in the sand at some point. (laughs) That's part of going to the beach. I have not been to the beach with friends for fucking ever. I mean, we've been to the beach just as our little family, but going with friends and other kids and watching the kids go crazy in the water. Audrey swam in the ocean for the first time. She's been in the ocean a lot, but actually I took her a little deeper and got her to swim around and she was scared, but she did it. That's awesome. Such a big girl. Such a big kid. Yeah. So it was a really, really lovely day. You should get her on uh, some boogie boarding. That was my ship when I was a small child. We boogie boarded today too, because laser corn butter boogie board and let us use it. And that kid got on the boogie board and just. It's the best. All right, Pam, got any peaches? Okay, there's like a two peaches in one situation. For most people, going to the ER is usually a lemon. But for me, it's a peach because I love nurses. I love meeting nurses, talking to nurses, and I love making nurses feel good about what they do because they spend so much time dealing with unruly patients and people trying to like, well, I read on, you know, blah, 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 that this blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think that before the pandemic, nurses were one of the most undervalued medical professionals. And so I got to go to the ER and hang out with some wonderful nurses and I made their day and You know, I made one of the nurses cry because, you know, not like... (laughs) No, yes. (laughs) By punching her. Yeah. My grandfather was a PA. We used to call him Dr. Grandpa. And so if I didn't have such an aversion to math and seeing people suffer, I'd probably be in the medical field. Those are my two favorite things, by the way. <laughs> Basically, but going in and making someone's day as they deal with the pandemic and unruly people just it makes my day. I like making people feel better. But then the second peach is that my MRI came back and uh, it was clear no tumors, no cancer or anything like that Fuck yeah. in my brain because I have Lynch syndrome. So I'm at risk for just like a laundry list of cancers. And one of them is like neurological cancers and things like that. So got the clean bill of health there. Great. And the third one is is I'm really excited about it and I can't talk at length about it because I wasn't given the go-ahead, but I'm filming a really cool thing with some really cool people and I'm really excited about it and I leave town to go film it for two weeks. It's nice to finally get out of the house and do something that feels substantial. So yeah, I'm really excited for the world to see it. That's awesome. Can I ask, I'm also leaving this week to go film something. Is it in Texas? 
It is in Texas. Okay. You were probably going to the same thing. When are you leaving? Wednesday. <gasps> we're going to be there at the same time. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. that's awesome. That's great. I'm going to assume it's some eyes wide shut shit happening over there in Texas. Yeah, that's right. Make sure to pack your cloak this time, Brian. You oh, I don't no, believe me. After last time, it's a whole thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pam, congrats on all three of those peaches. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I'm glad to hear things are good. Layden, peaches. Peaches. My first peach is that it was my birthday on Wednesday. That's not the peach because fuck birthdays. Never mind. Not happy birthday to you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. But I went to get sushi and see the beach that makes you old with a couple of gamers. And it was really great. The beach that makes you old? The new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old. Oh, I was like imagining because, you know, Brian was talking about going to the beach. Yeah. To be fair, I did age almost three whole hours when I was at that beach. (laughs) Yes. Old was the perfect amount of bullshit, and it was exactly what I needed on my birthday, so I'm very glad. Was it fun? Fun. Fucking awful, but great time. (laughs) Good awful, though. Yes. Yeah. Very highly entertaining awful. Like the room awful? (laughs) No. No. It's awful in the way an M. Night Shyamalan movie is bad. Okay. Or most of them, at least. Well made, but why did you choose to do this? Yeah, and then, like, pick an ending. We don't need to do, like, three of them. Maybe Mm -hmm. pick one. There are two cameos in the middle of that movie. Not even cameos. They're just part of the cast, and I never watch trailers anymore. But there are two people who show up in the middle of that movie that when they come bounding down the beach, it was like that moment in Little Women when Bob Odenkirk comes in and goes, my little women. (laughs) (laughs) That point where they say the title of the movie. Yeah, yeah. After Split, I assume every M. Night Shyamalan movie from now on will take place in that universe even if he doesn't explicitly sell it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My second peach is, I talked about this on a mini-sode, but on eBay, I got a Palm phone, which is a tiny companion phone that acts like a smartwatch sort of to your phone, but I don't have any social media on it. I mainly use it for Spotify and texting. And when I get mad at my misery brick, wherever it is, I simply switch to tiny phone and I feel considerably more sane. So I highly recommend these. When they first came out, they were like $350 and nobody wants to pay that for this thing that has shit battery life, but they're like 60 bucks on eBay. So you get it, you add it to your phone plan. It's just like a smartwatch. It gets all your shit and it's so cute. And you go in public and everyone's like, what is that? I want, it's called a Palm phone? Yeah, it's the same Palm as like Palm Pilot. And well, it's not, they like got, acquired by something else, but it's still called Palm. And I would love it if phones stopped being fucking massive. Yeah. Oh, also friend and movie related, I watched the Spiral Book of Saw movie with Jory over Discord the other day. Oh, wow. Spiral, wow. What to say? Flawless, maybe? Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) Truly unparalleled cinematic achievement. Craftsmanship. Yeah. With the Saw movies. And in preparation, I rewatched the first three Saw movies. So you saw. Yeah. Yes. You saw them, is what I'm saying. I don't think this joke is landing. Maybe you don't get it. You saw. Anyway, Saw's one through three are all pretty good. Do you get it? You're doing a joke that was done on The Office like 15 years ago, and I'm not even going to kill you. (laughs) I very much doubt that, but okay. Moe's and I seesaw all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the first three Saw's... First one, amazing, five stars. Two and three, dog shit, but amazing dog shit. In between, there's a bunch of them, and it's just like, what are we doing? The Spiral movie is Chris Rock doing material 
and then trying and failing to act. It's oof. right. I forgot. Yeah. It feels like one of those things where maybe in an earlier draft, it was not a Saw movie and then they decided to make it a Saw movie. Um, because listen, the traps are important to Saw. There's no thought in the traps. They're too easy to get out of. Like, they can't be too easy. It's like, all I have to do is press a lever. It'll rip my fingers off. You're not going to make me, like, rip them off. Like, the machine will do it for me. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Very disjointed. Very strange, Hmm. strange movie. I find it strange that Chris Rock is moving into this more acting-y phase of his career. I also find it strange because he's bad at it. Yes, I love Chris Rock. He's so funny and as a stand-up, like, super influential and great. (laughs) And every time I see him as just a pure actor, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I like you so much, but no. Like, I'm not kidding. There is a hard line between the bits where he's doing material where he feels like a real person, even though the material is the most, like, 2004 Chris Rock bits. Then it's him saying lines and the editing of the movie, you know, Saw movies are edited a certain way. This one mm, almost gets it, but it feels like it's a really just badly edited movie. Like they had to cut so much stuff out and like Mm. piece so much stuff together that it just feels like watching a collage that doesn't make sense. Unlike Wax or Discovery of Television by the Bees, which is a collage that totally makes sense. Mostly. Anyway, Spiral is not very good. Just rewatch Saw or Saw 2 or Saw 3. Saw 3 is the horny one, so can't lose. Hell yeah. (laughs) I refuse to elaborate on that statement. (laughs) Okay, great. No one's asking. All right, that's all. That's all I had to say about Saw. Great. Pam, thank you for being here. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I love these loose evening episodes. We don't do evening that much, but... Maybe we should do it more often because this was great. All because I had a gigantic headache and slept through the last one. (laughs) Ah, Whatever. This was awesome. On the day that we did that, I had just come off of accidentally sleeping through a therapy appointment. So I felt like a spiritual kinship. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) We bonded through sleeping through shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I had a lot of fun. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Is there anything that you want to plug or where people can find you or simply leave it a mystery? Since I'm getting ready to leave town, I'm going to be putting some stuff up on my YouTube channel again. So, um, youtube.com slash Pamela Horton stuff, but you can check out my streams, twitch.tv slash Pamela Horton 13, but sat Pamela Horton 13 on everything. So if you liked hearing my obnoxious shit, come check it out. Well, and Pam and I were just in a video together that came out yesterday. Yeah. On Lasercorn's channel, we played like an AR escape room card game that was a lot of fun. It was so good. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. So if you go to look up Unlock, right? Wasn't that the name of it? Yeah, Unlock the name. On Lasercorn's channel, you can see both of us and Lasercorn and Noah from Smosh. Wow, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone at home, thank you for joining us here today on this loose evening episode of Late Night with Brian Wecht. Actually recorded at night for Mm -hmm, once mm -hmm. and not like morning um what do i say at the end of this podcast that's up to you (laughs) you're goddamn right (laughs) uh hope everyone's vibing thriving and surviving and uh as always this is the end of the podcast goodbye (laughs) (laughs) bye everybody bye (laughs) bye (laughs) late night is produced by brian wet leighton gray and jarek centeno Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Knight, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>